Hey, I'm Dina. I'm Nikki. And we're your hosts for CBD Madcast. CBD Madcast is devoted to the legalization of cannabis and its impact in your community. Visit us at CannabisBeyondDope.com. Hey, Nikki. Hi, Dina. How are you today? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Do you know why? Tell me. We're at Canacon still, but I think we're in our last interview today. I think so. And I'm excited that this is a good pinnacle interview. So at Canacon, sponsored by Healthy Roots Hemp Products, thank you ladies for bringing us here today. We're very excited for their sponsorship. We're also equally joyful that we get to speak with Neil and Matt of Lazy Bee Gardens from Washington State. So do us a favor, gentlemen, please tell us who you are, what you do, and why do you do it? Neil Shepard, I'm in management, you know, some technology, stuff for Lazy Bee in the industry to create a good product and I think we've done that uh, by sticking with the organic sun-grown clean cannabis concept that I'll introduce you to Matthew Frigioni the owner the brains behind the operation and name's uh, Matthew Frigioni I started Lazy Bee one out of a passion for growing cannabis because that's my favorite part of the industry there's a lot of other parts of it that feel more like work than the growing side which is impressive because growing cannabis is hard work. It is so hard work, but it's the most so uh, rewarding to do yeah. while you're doing it. It's the most rewarding, it feels like. So I started mainly because I was passionate about growing cannabis. I started the medical industry prior to that. Wanted to continue being able to grow and saw what was, what was coming. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, either get in on this or you don't get to continue doing what you love. Totally, yeah, and bring a, an option that you feel passionate about to the industry yeah right so yeah. for people to buy yeah absolutely did you win a license in the first in the early days for the producer processors it wasn't actually a lottery like it was for the retail oh okay uh, anyone that put an application in in a one-month window in 2013 you had a one-month window to put an app in pay for your application for your producer and your processor license so anyone who got their got their name in on that month and then built out their location in compliance had the option to get going as a business at that point. So that was your only restriction is time frame for that, compliance once you've completed, yeah. and they're off and running. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, you know, a lot of the issues that people have ran into have been less to do necessarily always with the LCB and sometimes to do more with county zoning and things like that. Mm-hmm. Those have been some of the bigger hurdles for people. Okay. My favorite producer processors that we have interviewed so far have all been owned by someone who grows or knows how to grow cannabis. And I think that's probably one of the bigger misses for giving out the licenses at the time was that, you know, any, just like you said, anybody who had the money to put it up in that month window could get a license and, and that was it. And so I think there were, and, and maybe still are a lot of people who own and run a cannabis production or processing facility and don't really know the first thing about the cannabis consumer market which is huge you know you're growing for yourself but growing ultimately for someone else to buy it is an end product and we just heard today a little bit of rumblings and fear about the Department of Agriculture and their new potential involvement and I think it's good for the industry that there's people are going to come down on bad growing practice. So. Yeah, well, you know, if we want to be treated like agriculture, then we have to follow agricultural rules. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, all of us that are growers in the industry, we want agricultural status because that would give us all the rights in our counties that are starting to ban cannabis. So yeah. all of us really want agricultural status, and part of that is coming into compliance with um, the 
Department of Agriculture. Yep. So I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed to it. There are some things that maybe need to be ironed out. Sure. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side, yeah, in the liquor and cannabis control board, there's plenty that needs to be ironed out there as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, if you would, what has been your struggle against indoor versus your outdoor? Have you seen any? Do you have a passion one way or another? Where does that landscape land for you? You know, I'm, I do what's right for me. Mm-hmm. And I tend to just, what's not right for me is not something I tend to look at and go, that's the wrong way. Sure. Uh, it's a different way. I don't, I'm not like anti-indoor. I don't agree with it on a commercial scale as far as sustainability is concerned. Right. And how much energy is needed to do it on a commercial scale. Smaller scale, you know, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. So that, because where more my argument comes from, but as far as methodology like that, I'm not, I'm not like I hate indoor. I'm like, no, I got a ton of indoor grower friends and I respect what they do and love the weed. So. Yeah, we smoke it. Definitely. Yeah, we smoke it. <coughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not... None of us are really quite as combative as that with the whole like indoor outdoor war thing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And it more falls along that line of just the sustainability. You change the world by changing yourself, right? The first step is doing what's right for you. So for us, it's, it's focus on us. It's not about what someone else is doing. It's about what are we doing? Is yeah. that in line with our values and is that going to work for us? And and what works for the people is going to be different. Yeah. Beating stigmas and informing the public. There's just kind of a stigma that indoor is better because it's it's more fussed over or uh, you know sheltered and what have you but um we grow great stuff outside and you know you can enjoy both so i just like would like to lose some of that stigma with people who think that there's this great divide between the two or that the the flower isn't going to be as good because it's outdoor or i don't know it as much because it's not the same as indoor and the outdoor flower has some behavioral in parts that i don't think indoor can offer and i would assume vice versa there's strange concepts where people there's certain customers i've been informed that uh, when they hear pesticide free they think that's potentially a harmful thing because now there's going to be bug parts in there and you know there's not that (laughs) pest deterrent aspect to their right. cannabis or, or people who use nematodes or, or worms of some sort yeah and exactly that like they're like oh well if they use those to protect their plants there's going to be but there's bugs in my there's, there's bugs in, right. in my they want this like, sterile environment like the world is somehow a sterile place yeah <laughs> you yeah, know totally, how many bugs we're yeah. breathing in that we have no idea as we <laughs> say like I probably took in three. life is full of microbes yeah, and funguses exactly and humans are, are made to to fight things off like we put poor decisions into our stomachs and our our bodies are are made to filter those out and and like you know kind of heal ourselves and you know eventually they deteriorate because you know we all get old but it's funny because in real organics it is about balance it's a balanced ecosystem you know in permaculture farming and in no-till farming and things like these ideas that we try and strive towards I wouldn't you know, the things we work towards, uh, those ideas are not that there's none of the, you're, you're gonna have the, these microbes eat these microbes, like this bug eats this bug. It's, there is a living ecosystem going on. It really is just trying to find the balance if you're, you're trying to grow it more like a, a natural plant. Yeah. And also, too, I would say that if you have a bug that wants to eat the thing you want to eat, it's probably pretty good. If you have no bugs that want to eat it, how is it going to be good for you? I mean, they're just the teeniest fraction of us, you know, everything on this planet. So you would want something bugs would like. Oh, food's growing in the dirt, too. Exactly. <laughs> People trip out when you're, like, when you're, like, growing in the dirt and you have dirty hands. And you're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging in the soil. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you betcha. Dirt, dirtiest fingernails of Canicon. <laughs> you know the growers. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. no, we were joking about you, you come to these events and you always kind of get run down by the end because you've shaken so many hands and passed so many joints around yeah. that we've, we've been popping airborne and whatnot and uh you know it's just good exposure yeah absolutely tell exposure to germs yeah. it's good for our immune system it's great for product sampling <laughs> tell us a couple of things that you would say are very special about lazy b what are the things you would like to highlight and if customers are trying to find out about you guys and know about you to make a decision you versus somebody else what would you like to share with them that's your specialty and your love uh one of them is our we are devoted to sustainable agriculture, providing a sustainable future for the industry. We figure it's the beginning of the industry. Why not start on the right foot as opposed to trying to fix something that's wrong later on? Yeah. Um, and that costs a ton of money as well when you it does in the startup. It, it yeah. does in the startup. Not only sustainable agriculture, but just the practices in general. I mean, you don't have to be 100% sustainable to, to be every little step, right? Every one thing at a time, just keep working towards a better a better idea. So the, the sustainable farming and the sun growing, we're really trying to push. And then the terpene education is a really big thing for Lazy Bee. Yeah. Um, we've been printing terpene reports since we started. I feel like it's a very important part of the cannabis experience. It's going to tell you what kind of high you're going to get. Yeah, that's right. Um, Lazy Bee was the first company that I experienced terpene profiles yeah. with, and that was I'd like to see a widespread. I'd like to see every, you know, it will change the landscape of how bud tenders sell weed when yep. people know exactly what type of hyther to look for based on a terpene profile. And then when there are strains out from their favorite farm, it's like, well, I want this kind of high. And it's like, well, the bud tenders will go up and be like, well, this, 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 and this. Yep. And say, okay, well, you want it from an organic farmer. Well, okay, then this guy, you know, type thing. But you would be able to find what the consumer was looking for. Yeah, and, and that, I like that. that's how I learned the consumers what they want. I typically ask them, what strains do you love or what strains do you hate? Because I have the knowledge of terpene profiles and general uh, effects to, based on either love or hate, get an idea of what to really stay away from or, or what might be in that in that same family without being able to let the customer smell, you know, the bag and see like, oh, does that remind you of that weed you loved or whatever? Like, I think that the terpene profiles are incredibly beneficial. And like I said, I saw no Lazy Bee with it first, and I remember saying then like, I can't wait for more people to do it yeah. so we're almost three years later now so it's just standard necessarily about numbers it's just about what is the profile like i don't really care what the numbers exactly. are in thc i don't yeah. actually care what the numbers are in the terpenes per se as far as total because yeah. lab work is never consistent exactly i just want to know what's the what's the thumbprint what's the ratios normally yeah like exactly. what are the predominant three and in what ratio and that's i don't need to know how much of it total yeah. you know i don't need to know the thc number that's completely unimportant to me. Yeah. Well, and as we're getting into more hybrids and flowers are being crossed with other flowers, I had a farm that grew two very specific sativa dominant, as we know sativa dominance, I mean, to be the foundation, and they were knockouts. They were immediate yeah. take a naps, and it's completely unusual. And then you'll have some things that you think are a complete take a nap, and you're up for three hours. So while we did have a general classification, which we didn't know any better, it is really nice to be able to define it by how that plant grew and what its true end result are because you also may have the exact opposite effect on every one of those terpenes that somebody else does but at least you would know that so that you could make that again that determination yeah, yeah. well yeah because I mean indica sativa is really in the beginning had more to do with plant structure than effect yeah, than which is else. why you have these yeah. plants that grow like straight up sativas and they're gonna knock you out and you're gonna be like well why less to do with that name and more to do with the terpene profile yeah, yeah exactly. exactly what are some of your favorite strains that you grow have grown will grow 
Ooh, Ooh I know we might get a feature here. <laughs> like, a well, I think, <laughs> I think we we do a very good job of of questing for genetics, and I'm looking forward to this nice. this rumor that they might let us have go back to a, a free for all and be able to import whatever genetics we want into 502. Yeah. And I think that's great for variety yes. and just, there's exactly. an aspect of marijuana where same same strain doesn't get you as high after the second, third day. So I, people I think are always kind of ratcheting through brands they know, strains they like, always to always have a fresh high for lack yeah. of better Along word. with availability, right? I mean, initially right. there was only maybe a week you would have something as opposed to three or four now that you could find that same flower. And so lately Matt's been going gangbusters and getting seed stock together and we're going to be hybridizing stuff and get some strains out there. Where we'll, like Again, we're not chasing numbers as much as we're chasing flavor. We have great luck growing strains with a lot of flavor to them. So we're always looking for fruity stuff and, you know, diesels, yeah, fuel things. And and he's got a nose that won't quit. I wasn't blessed with that, but I, yeah, and that's part of the reason we do well is Matt chases genetics obsessively, and, yeah. uh, and then we grow them yeah. in good soil and we get a good well, product. Yeah, mostly. See, yeah, that's not, that is something that needs to happen in the industry is opening up the pool to new genetics. Because right now you have to you have to do some crazy stuff to get new genetics. You have to like pollinate yours and then hunt and then do all this. I mean, it's it's kind of a wow. joke. It's a lot of extra work. Of money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot of extra work to try and get it. A, pro, a profile or a genetic yeah. trait into yours if it's it. not in 502 right now. And I, what I say is like, if it's not in 502, people want yes. what's new. Yeah. People are always going to want what's new. If it's not in 502, they're going to get it on the black market. Yeah. So yeah. the LCB really should yeah. follow this bill. Well, it isn't that a nice way to do it. Don't grow the whole plant and then ship it all over to me, but let's go ahead and get our clones or our genetics. Or seeds. Or seeds. Yeah, I'd, even I'd be, if just I'd be seeds, happy yeah. if they allowed seeds to be imported. That's, yeah. That would be, that would be huge. all that's needed. Yep. We yeah. talked to a, a really nice gentleman from South Africa, and he's like, you know, I grew up on Durban poison. That's yeah. all I smoked. And mm -hmm. like, what I would do to see Durban poison a little bit more prevalent here is, I mean, it would be amazing. A real Durban poison, right. you we, know. We daydream about going on that kind of world tour yeah. to go chase land race genetics yes. and pick up seed stock from Just all for breeding place. purposes. That's really. my absolute... Not for growing, but for breeding. Yep, yeah. that's my absolute goal I ever wanted to do in the cannabis industry was go around the world to find land race strains and try them from their native area and how that impart is from it being grown in that soil and that air and that climate and that that's terrain. Yeah, yeah, that's Everything changes. Do you treat all your plants differently or, or no, kind of really. along the we same? We flower them at different times of year. Yeah. Will be the only real difference. They get the same treatment as far as soil, you know, because we're in a no-till living soil bed at this point, so it's not like we can change that. Right. <laughs> that yeah. give it, there's no, like, nuke program. They're not on this weekly feeding cycle or anything like that. They're watered. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> as as yeah, supposed right. to be, yeah, there exactly. are a weed. It yeah. was called weed. Yeah, it grows like a weed. Soil's right. It, yeah. you know, that's, the, that's how everything are growing thrives. Right? realizing that they're, they're they're throwing these bottles on their plants and it's actually killing everything in the rhizosphere and it's making the plant dependent like that's the whole problem with nutrition uh, nutrients like you go in the forest no one's fed those plants why are they not deficient why are they healthy it's like well because no one went out there and poured this anaerobic bottle of nutrient on that plant which created killed all the soil rock. and the life and created a dependency on the plant because it could no longer get it its, on its own wow. yep. yeah. so it's just this whole creating a dependency it's like when you it's like taking pills 
you take a certain vitamin long enough, your body will stop making it because yeah. it yeah. realizes it doesn't need to anymore. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing with plants. Yeah, and dogs are the same way. So dogs, when they go out and are catching that ground varmint that's running, they eat partially digested veg that's in the stomach. Well, there's an enzyme in there that only that animal has, but the dog doesn't because the dog never needed it. So now we have to wait for an evolution where that dog's going to create that enzyme because they're not getting it from somewhere else and the body has to figure it out. So it is like that, honestly, with everything. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. My favorite aspect of all of this is once we do testing on plants, it goes over to food. And once we have it with food and we have it connected with cannabis and the forest, everything now gets to be about what brought us here and how important that is. So we really do appreciate your outdoor grows and we really do appreciate your concepts of no-till soil and the fight that you put through to remain in, in this industry, head this industry, and be sustainable in this industry. It's just really awesome. So we're excited to get to interview you and hear about it. Yeah. I have one other question I would like to know. How is it that you're able to manage and how long did it take you to manage the inventory so that while you're only growing in a certain time of year, you're able to have enough product to sustain you for the whole year? Never oversold. I mean, anytime we felt like we had enough shops, we would, we would stop taking on new ones. Yeah. to make sure the ones that we were partnered with were being taken care of. Oh, okay. Um, we did that from day one because we, we saw what was going on in the early days where people were all selling out of their crops and then four months they'd have nothing there and all their retailers were having to then scramble and it was like, that's not a good business practice. Yeah, that's not how you establish long-term relationships with retailers. It's like you make sure you have your stock and there's like, okay, I'm not going to oversell this. I mean, and sometimes you end up then with stock left over because yeah. things slow down later in the year. Yeah. And that's you happened before, but, you know, it's, it's yeah. still better to do that than, yeah. than to run out and leave a partner hanging. Yeah. You know, yeah. in my mind, I would rather undersell than oversell. We so do tend to see. Curing is a very important portion of that. Storage and yeah, curing is huge. You have to be on point with that or you're not going to, we will not last. Yeah. And we do tend to see in spring uh, our sales kind of up because the other outdoors have all sold off yeah. and now people are coming to us. And we and, also and have early we, crops too which tend to help yeah. us out. Nice. You know with a light that we'll be pulling crops out and sometimes as early as June. Nice. That's can. awesome. Nice. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, you extend the season with the light deprivation. It, it helps us out a lot in Winthrop. Because Winthrop is not, <laughs> Winthrop's not like the choice place to go have a farm. It's beautiful. It's like probably one of the prettiest spots you could put a farm. But as far as how long your season is, it's probably like the shortest season in the whole state. <laughs> I would it gets guess. a little inhospitable. Yeah. Midsummer, yeah. midwinter, it's, it's in August it's sometimes. And it's extreme. Wow. Right? We heard you know, something about snow this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was wow, like 60 wild. yesterday. But we had, we had a couple weeks of freezing a couple years ago in June. Yeah, Didn't it get down to like below freezing for two days? Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> We've I, seen that crazy weather. That affects your crops. Yeah. That will change what well, your outcome enough, is. The early frosts almost hardens them off to the point where they get, they get hurt. And then they're like, oh, yeah. They bounce And they back. just... Years where we've had wild early frosts that yeah. have totally stressed me out and caused me to just freak the freak out, <laughs> everyone freak out, have created weird scenarios where those plants got rigid afterwards and were just, they, they, the stress so made them resilient. grow harder. Yeah, and, and then they're like, you're not really taking me down. Yeah, nice. We have interesting stresses in the valley. August, we're usually on fire for several weeks with wildfires, so they they tend CO2. to re respond to the <laughs> well, CO2, CO2 and the carbon and the, <laughs> and their the friends UV dying. index. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We we live in an interesting spot, but we definitely get some. We definitely get a decent product. Yeah. We have beautiful soil and the cleanest water too, which this is, is really like true. honestly. That's probably got to be a huge benefit awesome. is the water. I it mean, is it's the surprising. water and the soil where yeah. we are. I mean, we've done a lot to amend. There's been a lot of input into that soil to get it to where it is, but it was so full of nutrient and mineral. Being it's just it's like a direct drainage from a glacier. 
And that's so what you want. So it's just full of mineral. We wind up doing a surprisingly little amount of watering too. With okay. growing a, a cover crop of clover, keep, helps crop. retain. Yeah, companion crop uh, helps retain water. And how some of those rows get maybe ten waterings. Yeah, and then their entire. There's been years we've gone three weeks without a watering yeah. with certain rows, but usually it's about 10 week, ten days to 14 days in between waterings yeah. on average on so the farm. very small carbon degrees. footprint. Well, and that's a huge controllable to be able to turn back into other things and yeah. keep yourselves going because that's you know you... That's why people went to permaculture. I mean, it's like what happened in Cali in that droughts a few years back. All those produce, you know, veggie farms that were traditional farmers, they all went out of business. They couldn't grow crops. They had no water. And all those no-till permaculture farms were just like... Plants don't go through very much water, and they had plenty of water, and they grew millions of uh, pounds of food, and they survived. Wow. So, yeah, growing tactic. is important. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Survival tactic, and I think speaks to um, the resilience of, of your plants and the difference, and probably why it's so good. And that's the difference big time between indoor and outdoor is the, the environmental factors, what these plants go yeah, through like to achieve. Yeah, yeah exactly. A little to bit, not achieve. Just the right amount. Just the right amount. Mm-hmm. It's always the balance. The yeah. best too much can cause problems. Not enough. They're too weak. And we need enough adversarial actions in our lives to keep us at some kind of, you know, like the wind resistance alone. You have to just hold yourself a little bit stronger against that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. The person who's gone through nothing, you know, what do they have to offer? Not Certainly not as much. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. Who's gone through nothing, you know, like, you've gone through nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vikings weren't badasses because they had posh lives. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. I always tell this story because I bought it. I got a little dog I rescued. His name is Searchy Boy, and he was the sweetest thing in the whole wide world but when we first got him he would run out of the house out of the dog door and anybody walking along the fence he would just charge them and scare them or if somebody's trying to get their mail so we had to do all these weird things or he'd jump the fence and run around to the door to be let in but these kids would try to play basketball just on the other side and you talk about that adversarial situation that gets you to be stronger and more capable they sucked at basketball because I was out there every day giving them their ball back because my dog was now in the yard scaring them to three months later I never got a call on the door and they're still out there playing basketball Basketball. So they didn't want to deal with the dog who's frothing and barking, so they got, got better at basketball. Game. So you got up your game. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. Although I didn't like the idea that he scared them, don't get me wrong. I thought there was at least it a good benefit. Yeah. Exactly. Now look what they get in life. You know that kid who has to pedal faster past that house? Like, you just get stronger. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, you look at every... Right, that's kind of part of life, though. It's looking at every thing that's adverse and everything every challenge is as that as a challenge and an opportunity to grow then you know yeah. then you might not have as negative as an outlook you know you'll start to see the good and the bad I guess exactly exactly and appreciate the fact that it did make you stronger and that you almost didn't have to realize it but you got yeah. to go through it and I think that also your plants from my understanding they're so connected to us on levels that they would know not cognitively and neither do we but at a level where I think you've set an expectation for them and so they grow to your expectation and I think uh, yeah, that's an amazing thing we don't yeah. we don't know awesome. as much about. But yeah, we're connected to them at that level. So when you say they survive and they get stronger, we don't treat them differently. I've heard that from one other person, and their plants. It's like their plants live to your expectation. It doesn't mean that every plant will grow well for me, though. Sure. <laughs> well, you didn't have to add that part and work with me here. No? Certain strains that you know that are really really Disobe- tough disobedient. to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's one th- of them gone for two years on, still haven't quite figured out. What strain well, is that? Skittles. Skittles. Oh, Skittles is so hard to grow. It's so tasty. And guys that do it good, it's like man, tip of the hat because it's a hard plant yeah. to grow. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like one that's predisposed to be grown indoors because it's finicky. Or something. It's just it's just hard. 
but you'll figure it out and then just think of the joy of that okay. we'll, we'll want to do a podcast when you guys like, figure it out and we'll be like you remember when we talked yeah, about how Skittles wasn't listening it's me like you guys have trouble with this plant too and they're like yeah it's like okay it's okay. one of those. It's one of those that doesn't like to follow the herd. You yeah. know, it wants to strike out on oh, its, it's own. Flashy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like you're gonna grow to me, not the other way around. How's that? Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's it's high maintenance. It's a diva. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's so tasty. Well, thank you so much, Matt and Neil, for here. taking the time. Yeah, Absolutely. You being here. Can a con. Can a con. <laughs> Lazy bee. Lazy bee. Healthy roots help. CBD. <laughs> and okay, cannabis beyond dope. CBD. 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 <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Lazy B and CBD. Yeah. Awesome. Follow Cannabis Beyond Dope on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And click the like button. Check out more podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Contact us or check out all of our content at CannabisBeyondDope.com.